Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He wants to win with one of Formula One's most famous teams. The McLaren victory that Lando Norris longs for is still a dream for now, and he wants to do it his way. I want to be the best in the world, but do I have to do anything to go over the top and show that and prove it? I don't think so. People say, you know, you've got to be brutal and you've got to have this mentality and that and this and whatever, but I just don't think it's true at all. You just got to get in the car and do the best you can. If people say I don't look like I have the right mentality or I don't look aggressive enough, blah, blah, that's just their opinion at the end of the day. 2023 has been tough so far, but a terrific fourth place at the Austrian Grand Prix could be the start of a McLaren revival. And Lando's learning to ignore any negativity as he pursues his goals. 2019, 2020, like I would read something and I'd be like, why has this person said this or done that? Like, um, I almost cared too much about what people think. And I got to a point now where I, I really enjoy seeing what people write about me. I love it. I love reading all the bad things. I've just learned to laugh and make fun of the bad things because I ignore the impact or the effect that it has on me. Hello and welcome to F1 Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. Honest, hungry and impatient for success, Lando Norris is eager to be a Formula One Grand Prix winner with McLaren. He was agonisingly close at Sochi in 2021 before victory slipped away in the final few rain-soaked laps. McLaren haven't been able to fight for wins since then, but with big technical leadership changes on the horizon, they are optimistic about the future. Now the team's senior driver, Lando is thriving on the pressure to lead the second most successful team in the history of Formula One back to the front. So what's it like to be Lando Norris? As you're about to hear, he shares his early memories of Silverstone and why the British Grand Prix makes him smile more than any other race. He talks about coping with fame as an introvert, dealing with criticism, and what kind of daddy wants to be in the future. Plus, hear how new Australian teammate Oscar Piastri compares to Daniel Ricciardo. Lando and I spoke just before his brilliant drive in Austria. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Lando, it's great to see you again. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm excited about Silverstone. Are you? Of course. My favourite weekend of the whole year. Uh, my home race. Uh, I guess McLaren's home race. One of my favourite circuits. The whole weekend is insane. Especially Sunday night, the fan stage. I'm like, that's the thing I almost look forward to the most. Yeah, I, I really can't wait for it. You say the whole weekend is insane. Just how different is it to any other Grand Prix? I mean, it's just the amount that you're smiling, you know, <laughs> uh, even if you have like a bad race, whatever, it's just the amount I smile just because of how many people are there shouting your name or cheering for you. And you see the amount of people wearing your hats or tops or clothes, whatever it is, it just makes me smile. It just makes me happy to see that there are people there who you know, want to spend their weekend supporting me and cheering me on and shouting my name and stuff. You know, it's, 
it's just weird because I never ever imagined I'd be in that position or be one of those people. It's hard to imagine that when you're a kid. I still find it a bit surreal, a bit odd in a way. But um, yeah, it just makes me smile and makes me happy. And um, that's the best thing you can have. Lando, Mansell, Nigel Mansell always said it was half a second a lap. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what you've just described. Yeah. How does it affect you in the car? I mean, you wouldn't believe it when people say it, that they look up into the crowd while driving and uh, yeah, people are cheering you on or whatever it is. Like, like even when I'm driving around, I've got my helmet on and it's, it's hard to smile when you've got the helmet on because it's you know, pushing against your cheeks so much. But I always try to look in the crowd and just, uh, especially when you've done like a little overtake or something and you see them standing up and cheering and, and shouting and throwing stuff, whatever. It definitely makes a bit of a difference. The exact number is, uh, I don't think anyone will ever, will ever know, but I think it definitely helps. It just gives you that that's extra little motivation. You feel like it's your your job to kind of actually go out there and perform for them, you know, it's to, to deliver for them. And um, and therefore you just, the thousands of a second, the little, little things, you just try and add all of that together more than you, you almost ever do before. Can we talk history a little bit? When was your first visit to Silverstone? Oh, my, my first visit. 2017 was, I think, just when I joined McLaren. That was my first ever time as a, at the race weekend itself, like watching Formula One in Silverstone. So that was pretty insane. But my first ever time was probably like 2010, 2011. I only went on a, on a Friday. I barely even managed to see any of the driving. But I just went with a couple, uh, a couple of friends. I went to see someone. And it was just cool being, I was in GP3, GP2 at the time. So I just went to see one of the guys that was performing in that, and um, like that was cool because I was just I was like I was a kid there, so it was just anything that I saw that was a car or related to Formula One was just blowing my mind. And I was just like a kid in the candy store, you know, it's like uh, just smiling at everything and just being in the coolest place on earth. But I didn't even get to see the Formula One stuff, so that I had to literally wait until 2017, and that was my first experience of being at a, a Formula One race. I think, and a Formula 1 at Silverstone was a, was a double hit. Can we talk logistics? Where do you stay? When do you arrive at the track? Which day yeah. do you come earlier because it's Silverstone? Well, I have like a few media days before, probably speaking to you or something. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, so I have, yeah, just because it's, you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's like also the busiest race of the season for me, 100%. Like you're pretty knackered after you're not because of the driving, but your jaw hurts because you're smiling so much and it's just a lot of interviews and a lot of attraction and so on and that's that's like a, an amazing thing to have but uh i think i'm pretty sure i'm staying at the hilton at the circuit are you being very on message when you're actually going to be in the brdc campsite with people like lewis no i'm, I'm not i'm not saying i'm i'm 99 sure i'm in the hilton the new in the hotel opposite the pit lane uh, yes, I, I'm, from what I've been told, that's, uh, that's all I know. I'm, I'm still yet to do the campsite, so I think it's um, in the plan for, for next year. Now, what about the fans? Describe the craziest gift you've been given, <laughs> proposals of marriage you've had. Oh, plenty. Um, <laughs> I don't know, babies named after you, dogs, cats, cows. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, there's... It's just one thing that you love, you know, uh, especially in certain places like Japan is crazy for it. But you always get gifts of, of certain things and the memorable things, you know, things you can use in everyday life. Are the, are the, like for me, the bracelets, when fans give me bracelets, those are for me like the, the ones I remember the most in a way. 
But like there's always food and things which I'm never the most keen on because you never know what they've done to the food. Maybe they cooked it themselves. Well, they um, might be Max fans and they're oh, trying yeah, to give exactly. They're trying to have yeah, me yeah. over or something. So there, there's so many gifts that you get from, I guess, the, all or, or a massive range of people. You have supporters who are, I don't know, probably can't even speak because they're one year old or something. But they have like a little cute Ellen McLaren top on or something. And you have... Uh, guys who are way way older you know 50 60 70 and so on so you just get everything you get everything there all the good stuff so yeah it just makes it very very memorable and even even now like i remember being on the fan stage and they're like chanting lando or they kind of do the chants where you know put your name into a song and uh it's just yeah it's just such a insane feeling for me everything's about memories it's about remembering the like the good things and like i mean that's even why i did my that jpeg page my my photographs and all of it is just so I can look back on it and remember the, the good times. Because again, that makes me smile. That puts a smile on my face. And um, that makes me enjoy the life that I live. The F1 movie is going to be filmed this weekend at oh, Silverstone. Are, are you looking forward to that? That's going to be a memory? Yeah, I mean, I don't know like, if I'm in it. Am I, am I just on the side? Like, uh, I don't know how it's going to work. But oh, I don't know how to break this to you. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm not in it. Damn. <laughs> no, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. Um, I think it's a pretty cool thing, I guess. I guess you kind of get used to it a little bit with the Netflix stuff. I know it's probably a much bigger production and, and so on. But yeah, you've got you know, Brad Pitt and you've got the, the stars who are who are in it. Just, I guess it's just very cool to be to be part of that, especially if you were to rewatch it, you know, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Just like now, I guess you, you rewatch certain movies, which you're like, wow, that was cool back in that time. And it feels weird that you could ever say that in 50 years, that we might be in like an old time. But uh, you can show your kids. Look, that's me. Oh no! Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just it's, it's just an odd thing. But to be part of something like that, it's always it's always cool and special. Now, look. What about the day job part of Silverstone? Can you describe a lap of the track in a Formula One car? And with all the fast corners, does it require a different approach to other tracks? A little bit. I think so much of it's to do with timing, especially you know you've got Maggots and Beckett's, the ones that everyone everyone likes to talk about, but for good reason because it is. Especially in a Formula One car, you know, you're you're flat in eighth gear all the way until Beckett's. Where's it go? Maggots, Beckett's, uh, so Chapel? Yep. Can we go back one corner to Cops? Cops? Do we include Cops in this great section? You can you can include Cops. Cops is, uh thing is now the cars are so quick, like Cops is very close. I think, I'm presuming this year is going to be flat, it, but it depends enough on wind. If you have a headwind, it's flat quite easily. If you have how, a tailwind... How difficult, Lando, is it to keep your right foot flat through cops, yeah. 185 miles an hour? It depends what the what the bet's on <laughs> with your teammate. <laughs> and there's little things, you know, like who does the tunnel in Monaco flat first and who does this and that. So I feel like, uh, yeah, who does cops first is one of them. But like, how much are you feeling through the car at that point or is it so glued that you're just doing it because you know it can do it rather than the feel you're getting from the car um i mean it's so quick you almost have to commit and then find out what happens rather than the opposite you try to anticipate things when you're going at those speeds being able to react in the time is so difficult because it's what 290 300 probably as you enter it um eighth gear but i, th I feel like the, the best description of it is you see the consequence of when Max and Lewis came together and how big of a crash that was for Max. And that's, you know, after a slide and then you go through the gravel a bit and then you hit the barrier. But you would say like one of the biggest impacts you've seen uh, in Formula One for a very long time. So that's when you see like what it is doing, you know, and, and the thing Does is... Does it make as, you stop and think? 
every now and then. But at the same time, I think when you get back in the car, you just get so back into the zone. The thing I always use is, would someone else lift less than me? I always feel like I have to say yes. Uh, or would someone else break later than me here? And I feel like out of the 20 drivers on the grid, someone's probably going to push it that little bit more. And I'll be thinking of this like, you know, 100 meters before the corner. But that would be my, my little thought to uh, just not be a, w- a wimp and, uh, and back off more than I should or, or break too early is, do I think someone else might be better? You know, do you think uh, Max would break that little bit later or lift less? And I kind of force the answer to be a yes. And then that, that's the little the little kick that I need to make sure I try to not lift more than I should. But it goes through your head, all these little things. Even if people say it doesn't, uh, they're lying because <laughs> uh, it does. We're focusing on cops, maggots, yep. Beckett's, chapel, the quickest section of track. When it comes to car setup, where do you focus? Do you need it to be good through those corners to be quick over a lap? Or is it the slow stuff in the arena complex at the start of the lap? It's more um, as annoying as it is, it's the, the slow speed. Um, like even when you feel like, nah, no one's done Magus Beckett's chapel stow quicker than that. It's rare that you ever gain more than half a tenth to a tenth on, on people, you know. Um, if you do, then it's quite a big, big change. But the high speed is, yeah, where you gain a lot less lap time than you do in the slow speed. Simple as that. So then you got, you always kind of have to focus a bit on it. But, you know, that's where there can be much bigger consequences if things go wrong. So you, you still need the confidence in the car. You need the consistency. And especially because Silverstone can be pretty windy too. It's quite an open track, quite flat. When you start having the wind start to, to come kind of come into play, that's when things get twice as tricky as what they, they normally are. Um, and then that's sometimes when you wish, I wish I made the, the car a little bit more stable in the high speed and things like that. So, yeah, you have it. But, but slow speed uh, generally is where you kind of put a bit more focus. But you then have the, the challenge of do you go high down, high down force, lower down force, you go low, low down force, you're getting in all the straights, but you make your life in Magus Beckett's Chapel Stowe a lot more nerve-wracking. All these kind of question marks you have to to put together. Right, so what about yours and McLaren's chances at Silverstone? Message (laughs) to your fans, what can they expect? Austria was our first, say, decent upgrade on the car. With more coming this weekend. With more coming this weekend. So if there's any time when people should be a bit more excited about things, uh, it's come at the right time. You know, in in my opinion, I would love to be able to take that next step and um, show what the car can do a bit more and and have a good, better result. Where we where we where can we finish? I have no idea. I'm not very. I'm never very good at this. I'm always wrong. But um, yeah, if there's any time when we can maybe expect a bit more from us as a team and from me as a driver, I guess as my home race, uh, it's here in Silverstone. Well, sixth last year, fourth the year before. Yeah. So you know how to score points. I can't. I forgot that I was fourth. You know, it's one position off being yeah on the podium in my British British Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, it's. Or it's do, you, do you actually think, being serious, it is just still too far away, given the competitiveness of Red Bull, of Aston Martin, of yeah. Ferrari, of Mercedes? I mean, those were the days when the car was yeah. It like I mean, just as a as a thing, it was we were a bit more competitive then. You know, I had what four podiums that year. The car was extremely good in high speed corners. That was we were one of the strongest on on the grid in high speed. We were reasonably good in the straights at the same time. So we kind of had a very good car that that worked well at Silverstone. Like last year, you know, when we've had this car which is a bit more draggy, a bit more inconsistent, less efficient. 
and then we pay the price quite heavily in, in, in such a track where you want you want to be very good in the straights, but you need to have a car that performs in the high speed. And we kind of lacked that a bit last year. But Do you take some confidence from what happened in Barcelona? And Lando Norris with his best qualifying of the season. And uh, you are P3. You are P3. What? Still? Interesting. Good job, mate. Very good job. Well done. Let's go, baby. Okay, it didn't go so well on Sunday, but yeah. there were lots of factors, yes, including yeah, uh, yeah. you know rubbing wheels with Lewis yeah. and things. But the car was quick through quick corners yeah. in Barcelona. Does that give you some hope for Silverstone? Absolutely. At times, we've been close to being one of the best cars in high-speed corners. I guess sometimes it's for different reasons, but it's always been a very good strength for us. So I'm, I want to take from what we've, what we've learned in, in Austria where I'm sure we, you know, we were one of the best in high speed, have been for many, many years. And, and Silverstone too, we're, we're generally one of the best cars in Magus, Beckett's, Cops, Stowe. I feel like Stowe is what Cops maybe used to be like uh, in a way because it's sixth gear, uh, end of a straight, a very small break. It feels like one of the most challenging corners. So I want to be confident that the, the car is going to be good in, the, in these places and um, therefore we can hopefully translate it into a good result too. But look, until this moment, Yep. Let's look at the first third of this year. In terms of the number of points you've scored after seven races, the MCL 60 hasn't served you well. It's, it's the fewest you've scored in your five years in Formula One. Does that make this car the least competitive you've driven thus far in your career? Or have there been mitigating circumstances? I mean, we've, we've definitely been unlucky at times, but uh, it's more that every other team is doing decent. You know, we've got the budget cap coming into play more and more. So the, the smaller things, which maybe didn't matter quite as much in previous years, you pay the price for now more than ever. And there's no, let's say, struggling or bad team in Formula One like there maybe has been a bit more of over the last three, four years. Now, if you're a couple of tenths off, you can genuinely be in last place. If you put a lap together, you can get into Q3 and you can almost look like a hero. So it's, it's more that every, everyone else is doing extremely well. No one's doing badly. So when you just turn up a car, which is put... To, together that's quite right you then have to say it's a, a car that didn't perform as well and is the least competitive so i would agree with it and it's been definitely the hardest toughest start to a formula one season that i've had and how hard is that for you to deal with i think what, what's made it worse is the fact that we were kind of on the up you know i had what four or five podiums and things were looking like they were heading all in the right direction and then it took a decent hit last year Everything you feel like you were getting close to, then just you kind of lost it again. So that success, the smiles, the the champagne, all of that, like everyone loves it. That's what we kind of live for uh, every weekend. And when it's like not even close, it's it's so far away. It is tough. Like just mentally, uh, you put so much effort into it every weekend. But everyone, it's not just me. It's every engineer, every mechanic, everyone back in the factory puts so much effort in. And just when it, things aren't going right, you just don't feel like you get rewarded for the time and effort that goes into everything so rewards and feeling like you've achieved something makes a massive difference and when you don't you just feel like so much goes in and very little ever comes out but you just kind of have to use that to keep pushing through things and just know and have the faith and belief that uh things will turn around at some point the rain has come down and hamilton takes the lead of the race as lando norris slides off the track this could have been win number one. Without the rain, it would have been win number one. 
when you were last on the show, you said that Russia 2021 uh, was the race that you should have won and yeah. the rain fell and, and we know what, what yeah. happened there. But do you feel further away from that first win now than you did a year ago when you were last on Beyond the Grid? Yeah, confidently. I can say yes, as much as it hurts me to say it. But that car that season was, you know, we were 700s of pole or even less back in Austria. It was my first podium that year. We were close to pole or we got pole in, in Russia, uh, close to winning my first race in Russia. Imola was almost a front row start um, and then got deleted for track limits. So we were close very often to, to these kind of success stories. And now we struggled to get in the top 10 half the time. It's the first time I've been out of Q1, like just on general performances. And I think I've been out, what, three, four times or something now. So yes, by quite a long way. And it is a long, long way from where we were and uh, uh, having any chance of being on the podium. A driver's lifespan in Formula One is limited, although the old guard seems to be going on and on when you yeah. look at Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton. But time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. Are you getting impatient? <laughs> I was impatient in uh, year one. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say yes. Formula One just isn't as simple as what everyone wishes it is or thinks it is at times. And you can be lucky. You know, Lewis came into McLaren when they were winning races, winning championships. Uh, so for someone to say, are you trying to emulate Lewis Hamilton? I mean, I wish I could say yes, but at the same time, if I'd have thought I'm the best driver in the world, or even if you put the best driver in the world in the car you do, I have now, not going to have won races and not going to have achieved a lot more, I feel, than what I have. You have to be lucky. You have to have things go your way. Fernando's, you know, one of the best drivers ever in Formula One, and everyone's said, whether it's his fault or not, that he's made wrong decisions with teams that he's joined in and so on, and... He's kind of should have scored five world championships and he's so only got two. He's got two. It's, uh, it's just complicated. But at the same time, you just have to learn that uh, like being patient, learn to be patient is a part of what you've got to do when you enter Formula One. Every other category before that, you kind of, if you're not winning, it's maybe a little bit because of the car, but also because of you. Whereas Formula One, you can be the best driver in the world. If you don't have the car behind you, you're not going to win one race. The, the life of teams and, and cars is unfair in Formula 1, but it also is what makes it special, is what makes it so difficult and one of the most difficult sports to enter and, and be a part of in the, in the world. How did you feel when George Russell won in Brazil last year? I was, I was very happy for him. I, I love George as much as I do want to beat him and uh, compete against him and so on. I, I'm, a, I'm just a driver that uh, has a lot of respect for those kind of people, you know. I have a lot of respect for the people I've grown up with, the people that I know are there because of their, their talent, their work ethic, um, and George is one of them. So as much as at times, yeah, I'm sure I wished, uh, everyone probably wishes that they could win a race. There's always a little bit of like that, that envy that's like, mm, I, you know, I feel like I also could have won if I was in this position, but at the same time, I just tried to not think of it at all. I don't want to think about it. I just want to do the best job I can with what I got. Um, and the end of the day, I was very happy for him. He's showing what he can do. I'm a tough loser, but I'm a, I'm not a sore loser. So uh, I just have respect. I have respect for the, the people I work with and the people who achieve things uh, because they deserve to have achieved those things. Let's throw it forward then and, and look ahead at what's coming at McLaren. You've got you know, upgrades at Silverstone next weekend. I think there's even more coming in Hungary as well the weekend after that. So... Hopefully the team will get some momentum yeah. and then there's been a lot made of some high profile technical signings. But 
they're not going to be joining until the start of next year, right? Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the trajectory that McLaren is on. Are you happy to wait till 2025, which is going to be the first time we see all the I new mean, people? That, well, know. I'm happy or not. My contract's in 25. So um, I'm part of McLaren. I'm in Papaya until the end of 25. I, I mean, I, I really look forward to those times, but there's plenty of things that we can be and are doing better now without these people. Uh, we cannot blame our performance because we don't have this person or that person. There's other things that we just should have done better for many years in the first place. So always additions and great minds and talented people like this are going to have a, a big effect. Help us and wind tunnel simulator, all these, these things are going to have an effect. Again, I'm not that kind of person that thinks what is going to happen in, in that time. Maybe when you have to think about it, when you're forced to think about it, then uh, then you have to go in and think about it. But in a time when I'm in a team that I, I want to be part of, I want to win with, I don't get too caught up with what's happened and what is going to happen. I'm very much a guy that just lives in the now. And yeah, whether it's sad or not or good or not, I don't know. Um, that's just the way I live, I live my life. But of course, I get excited by it. And, you know, I look forward to those times. It gives me a good boost. It gives everyone in the whole team a good boost it gives me more reasons to want to continue into the future but uh there's always a time when it comes to a decision that has to be made but nothing needs to happen now so i'm, I'm happy what about your status within the team you've jumped up the pecking order i feel since since we were last together doing one of these in that yeah. you are now number one driver do you well how is that experience for you it depends how you look at it like uh not once in a in a as a team have we ever said number one or number two that's the role that we've had in McLaren since I've joined. I think even before I've joined. Maybe um, that was the wrong word then. Maybe I should have said senior driver. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a much better way of putting it. Yeah. Just simply more experienced senior driver. Guy who's been in Formula 1 for longer. A guy who's been part of the McLaren team for much longer. But that's it. The The rest is, you know, of course the team rely on me. Do you enjoy that responsibility? I guess it, it adds that responsibility to me. And I do feel like uh, just I've had to step up and pay more attention to to more things but I wouldn't say it's too different this year to what I had last year or even the year prior to that I feel like already then I I was a guy who maybe wasn't the more experienced guy in Formula One but was the guy who was more experienced with the team I felt you know in a in a comfortable position with the team for the last two years um, and I felt like I was already in a bit of that that space of trying to guide the team back then it's just that now I'm the older driver it's that, that's the only thing in my in my head that really has has changed that much the rest of it is just uh things that people want to make up and talk about that responsibility is, is simply the biggest word and the most accurate word is responsibility and uh i've had to just step up a little bit in, into that role but not a lot more than i was last year and back in uh, uh 21 too do you feel there's more pressure on you now i think that it's inevitable because i'm the older driver and there's a younger driver next to me i'd be lying if this said uh, there wasn't but i would say there's more pressure but does it affect me? No. I think, yeah. You'd be lying if you said there wasn't any more pressure on it, but it's just, um, does it affect you? Does it make you feel a different way? Then um, I would just say not. Like, uh, if anything, it motivates you more to to put that extra little thing in or, or work on that little thing or question it or just get every little thing out of the car that you can. It's more of a motivation, kick in the backside kind of thing, rather than uh, uh, are you worried because of this or because of that. So you enjoy pressure, is that I would say I enjoy it. I think it's, you, you almost have to enjoy it in Formula One. There's so much of it with, with the, the life that you, not you're forced to live, but what comes just with the job of being a Formula One driver, kind of then the life you live and the, 
the eyes that are on you, the, the cameras, all of this stuff, and just being, what, 20 drivers in a world, plenty more that want to be in that seat and will do everything in the world to be in that seat. There's always the pressure that lives with you every single day, but um, it's kind of learning how to how to use it or how to deal with it and how to forget about it. People deal with it better than others. But uh, I feel like I'm in a point now where I'm, I don't kind of don't think about it too much, or, or really at all, in a way. I'm just happy. The pressure to you don't on. think about. How are you yeah. coping with fame? <laughs> um, depends how you look at it. Do I just love the the fact that people support me, or yeah, want to take pictures, or I don't know? For the support side of it, of the fame, do you love? I, like I love it. I think it's an amazing thing that people are, are there for you. But I'm, I've always been like a quite an introverted kind of guy, not the best with crowds and people um, as much as uh, it sounds like probably the opposite of how, how you have to be in Formula One. I've never been that much of that kind of guy. I've learned to deal better with it. This is a really interesting point because I've always thought drivers needed to be extroverts to show people what they can do in a racing car to want, yeah. in a funny kind of way, that almost want to show off. Go on, I can do this. I'm the best in the world. Leave me at it. Yeah, but I don't I'm know quite why. interested that you're I've, an introvert. I've, I don't know. I've just never been that kind of person. I want to be the best in the world. I want to prove to people, but I've never had the mentality or the, I don't know, the confidence to have to say that or feel like I need to do anything more than normal to show it to people. Like I know what I think and what I want to achieve in the back of my mind. And so do I guess to the people that I work with and the team that I work with and the people I have around me. But do I have to do anything to go over the top and show that and prove it? I don't think so. You know, you have a lot of old drivers like, um, not old drivers, but people who just like uh, say, you know, you've got to be brutal and you've got to have this mentality and that and this and whatever. But I just don't think it's true at all. I think um, you just got to get in the car and do the best you can. I want to beat everyone as much as I have respect for people outside of the track. And I get along with Carlos and George and Alex and Lewis and whatever. It doesn't change how I want to how much i want to beat them on track if anything i want to meet them even more so i, I yeah I, i've just never been that kind of person if people say i don't look like i have the right mentality or i don't look aggressive enough blah blah like uh, that's just their opinion in the end of the day we saw some good moves from you in canada as we do most yeah. races i think <laughs> i think there's no danger fun. of that lando no I, like I, I know i am but i i guess people always say i hate the saying but i try to do the talking on the track What about the talking off the track? You have a hell of a reach now. What is it? More than six million on Instagram, yeah. two and a half million on Twitter. That's yeah. And everything else you've got going on in your world. Do you fully appreciate the reach that you have now? Yeah, I feel like I've, I've used it for times in COVID and whether it's charity things or mental health side of things. I feel like I've used it to help these things or to, to portray things or give my views. I don't feel like I have to use it or that I necessarily want to use it as much as it's kind of, it is a little bit part of what you kind of got to do in, in Formula One and it adds to your brand and all of this and so forth. So I think I, I think I do. I think I realize. But like if someone calls me famous or a celebrity, I hate when people say, oh, you're a celeb or um, you're so famous. Like, um, I don't know. I just try to be as normal as possible. I don't want to stand out too much as much as I at times like it and people are like oh can we get a picture and things then you're like oh you appreciate it but um I wouldn't say like uh 
I love it and I, I want it, if that makes sense. For all the positives of social media, it can also be quite a toxic place. Do you look at what's written and said about you? All the time. <laughs> do you really? No, I, yeah, yeah, I do. You do actually look. No, I do. I love it. I love it. I love reading all the bad things. <laughs> Are you actually being serious? Do you like, read? I guess 2019, 2020, like I would read something and I'd be like, why has this person that said this or done that? Like, um, I almost cared too much about what people think and to be careful how I say it because people are, are going to headline it and go, oh, London doesn't care about it. But you have to learn to, uh, to listen to the people that you respect, understand what people are saying. But at the same time, when you know someone has no idea about something or just says it simply because they're idiots or they've got nothing else to do, uh, that's positive, you know? Like, I don't, I don't get why people would waste, want to waste time of their life their one life that they live, why people like even want to spend time doing these things, you know, writing bad stuff and trying to find bad things and make bad situations. Like people are actually choosing to spend their life, their one life on earth doing such things, which makes absolutely no sense to me. So I, I got to a point now where I, I really enjoy seeing what people write about me. Um, of course, I love the good things and I, uh, it's great to read at times. You just have to, like, I've just learned to laugh and, 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 make fun of the bad things because I just feel sorry for the person who's actually had to come up with that stuff in the first place that that's um, brought amusement to them and they think that's like a I don't know do, do you use the negativity as a source of motivation or do you just ignore it I mainly try to ignore it like I, I, I guess I read it so I don't completely ignore it but I ignore the the impact or the effect that it has on on me but I am I really am a person who cares a lot about what people think and I never want to look bad or say the wrong thing and I feel like I'm always very honest with things and therefore some sometimes I say things that not that I shouldn't but things that are just true and genuine uh, but we just we live in a world now more and more where I don't know you just have to say things that everyone agrees with people can't have just an opinion to them it has to be something that uh every human on earth has to agree with. And if it's not something like that, then there are people that are going to say that uh, you're disrespectful and blah, blah, blah. But I just try to get on with my life and I say it because that's my opinion. Uh, and they can just agree with it or disagree with it and move on from that. If you had kids now, what advice would you give them about social media? <laughs> I don't want to think of that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Having kids. Um, yeah, well, both. Uh, I mean, I love kids. My brother's just had a second baby um, and they're the cutest things on earth. So, Are you um, a good uncle? I'm a, I think I'm a great uncle. As much as babies always cry when they see me, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm good with them. Um, <laughs> I like even, you know, my manager, I've grown up with my manager for the last, what, 10, even longer, uh, almost 11 years or something. And he's had three kids since. So yeah, like just kind of growing up with them a little bit. Even when I was a kid, I don't feel like I was much older than what they were, but growing up with them and just uh, look forward to that part of my life in a way as much as I'm you know I'm 23 and I don't want to think of it yeah I, I look forward to it. like I do think like uh you know I see Max and, and his father or people whose fathers were in Formula One and you know whether it was like a Schumacher 2 like uh I'm curious to, be, to think of like what it's like in the future what kind uh, of dad do you think you're going to be uh, I'm going to be a strict dad I'll tell you that I feel like I have good opinions on things my parents brought me up, I think, very well. I get that my dad was successful and things like that, and people always try to turn that into a bad thing about the person. But um, I think I have like respect. I think I have uh, good manners. I think I have, um, yeah, I do everything that I that I need, and 
I don't get into people's faces too much and blah, blah, blah. Um, I keep to myself a lot of the time. So I just take what my parents taught me simply and uh, do the best thing, best job I can to uh, ingrain that to, to the kids I have in the future. And, and back to the original question. Gosh, we've gone off no, on we're a tangent. About, we're talking about kids and families. The advice you'd give your kids about social media. Yes. Um, I mean, a lot of it comes to them at the time and I feel like what it's, I don't know if it's going to be in 10 years 20 years or whatever As it's quite Times difficult to be see so the landscape well, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know I don't know what it's going to be like then if you think to 10-15 years ago from now like uh, it was a completely different world so no idea I don't want to think about it too much but you know at, at times you've got to learn about it I think I don't think you can just protect everyone from everything I think there's a certain amount of that but there's a certain amount of like you've got to go through the hard times to realise them and realise what are good and bad and uh, all of those things make you learn. So I don't think you can ever be, um, you almost don't ever want to be perfect, but I'll just do my best. That's simple. That's my only answer. Let's talk teammates now. You've swapped one Aussie for another, Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. Or Oscar Piastri for Daniel Ricciardo. No, other way around. Which way around? Daniel, <laughs> Daniel for Oscar. <laughs> Oscar Piastri is now your yes. teammate. What similarities do Oscar and Daniel share? They're Australian. Uh, but they're very different Australians. They're like I the feel. complete opposite. They couldn't be more yeah. opposite, I think. Both lovely people, but both, uh, yeah, like Oscar's extremely down to earth. Uh, I feel a bit like me, just a very normal, just a guy who's in Formula One, just a guy who loves to drive cars and compete against people. And that's it. Like, that's just what he loves to do. Um, and there's not a lot more to it in terms of what he tries to achieve. The rest is him just being a lovely person. We get along very well, both guys that uh, have a lot of respect, both guys you can enjoy spending time with and enjoy both here at the track and also back home um, or away wherever you are you're only one year older than Oscar whereas the age gap was what 10 years between you and Daniel, Daniel. Yeah. how does that change the dynamic between you do you um, feel you've got more in common with Oscar because similar a, a little bit it's a tough one I don't, I don't feel like many things are too different but I feel like the way that people portray the relationship is different I'm sure like when you think Dan Daniel's what, 30, 31, 32, Lando was 21, 22. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like when you're way older, then there's almost more pressure on the older person than everyone, the younger person. And I guess there's a little bit like we just spoke about, there's a little bit of that now, probably a lot less than being 32 against a 22-year-old. But yeah, like uh, I guess we're still into our different things a little bit. Both guys, I just I just get on really well with. I went to dinner with Daniel the other night uh, in Monaco, so um, still get on really well with him. Do you race Oscar on the sim? No. Oh. Uh, I don't know if Oscar's got... I think you might have just got a sim. Um, no, I mean, I generally I've not been into doing that as much, to, actually. I'm just spending a bit more time out with my friends and traveling, going to you know, see my family a bit more. I just haven't, I haven't spent as much time on computers, electronics. I kind of drifted away a little bit from that. I'm more a golf family friends. For me, that's the... Not in that order, but uh, family, friends is, is for me the most important thing. So spending more time with them uh, as a person than um, yeah, staying at home playing computer games. Well, Lando, it's been really great to catch up with you again. Thank you very Final much. Final one from me. Are the goals the same for you now as they were when you came into the sport in 2019? 100%. I'd say, yeah, I'm more determined. I have better knowledge now of how to achieve them, when, what, all of it. I feel like I'm in a much... Maybe not more competitive position, but uh, personally in a much better position than I ever have been. And the knowledge of how to achieve them, I feel like I have a much better understanding of 
So um, being a world champion, winning for my team that I drive for, simply those are the two goals I have at the minute. Multiple world champion would be nice, but I'll start off with one. Best of luck with that and enjoy Silverstone. I shall do. Thank you so much, everyone. In the right car, I have no doubt that Lando can win multiple world titles. But that's the thing about Formula One. Drivers need to be in the right place at the right time. Let's hope McLaren are edging their way back towards the front. It's always fun to sit down with Lando. He continues to come across as very honest and straightforward and also very relaxed. He says in that chat that family and friends are the most important thing for him away from the racetrack. And I think we can all agree that Lando would be good fun on a night out and it's no wonder that he's kept in touch with Daniel Ricciardo. Lando, many thanks for your time. And as I said at the end of our chat, enjoy your weekend at Silverstone. Now, please send in your thoughts and stories about Lando. What did you think of our conversation? What do you think of the season he and McLaren are having in 2023? And do you think Lando can win with McLaren? Let me know through all the usual means. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter, or you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Which brings us on to what you sent in about James Vowles after last week's show. Williams is in safe hands seems to be the overriding opinion from your messages. Let's start with this from Will Williams. Uh, no relation, I'm guessing, Will. What an incredibly inspirational character. James is a natural leader and figurehead that will definitely put Williams on an upward path. I especially enjoyed learning about his journey into Formula One. Amazing pod, Tom. I loved it. Well, thank you for that, Will. And I agree with you. James is inspirational and I think he's exactly what that team needs now. And what about this from Carl Lawrence? The more I hear James speak about Williams and his approach to rebuilding the team, the more I'm assured he is absolutely the right person to lead the team and continue the legacy of the Williams family. I can't wait to see the results. Thank you, Carl. It will be interesting to watch the team's journey over the next 18 months, won't it? And finally, here's Gapson76. James is such a positive force in the team. He has this energy in him that is such a breath of fresh air. There's no doubt that James works hard. Did you know that he keeps a notebook by his bed so that if he wakes up in the night with an idea, he'll remember it in the morning? Look, thank you for all your messages as ever. I haven't got time to read them all out, but I do read them and I love reading them because many of you are really insightful. Well, that's almost it for this week. Thank you for listening. And before I go, please remember that F1 Nation's review of the Austrian Grand Prix is out now. We're actually joined by McLaren team principal Andrea Stella to reflect on Lando's impressive weekend at the Red Bull Ring. And this week's Formula Y podcast is all about wind tunnels, and that's out on Friday. Catch you all again next week when I'll be joined by another great guest from the world of Formula One. Beyond the Grid is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.